Harrison Price for Thursday, December 21st, 2023. We're coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. And if you're heading to a game downtown, make it a staycation. Call the wall, 604-331-1000. Matt Sikerson alongside Blake Price, Grace Ass Hitting Switches, conducting things to show a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group, and more importantly, more specifically, Applewood Nissan in Richmond, a fabulous lineup of vehicles, including the Rogue and Qashqai, two perfect vehicles for winter in British Columbia. Finance rates on the Rogue from 3.99%, Qashqai from 4.49%. Go take it for a test drive right now at Applewood Nissan in the Richmond Auto Mall. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today asking you, what should the Canucks do with Andre Kuzmenko? Give it time, trade him now. You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. I voted give it time, and it looks like Rick Tockett is still giving him time. Another healthy scratch for the talented Russian winger in advance of, well, for the game against Dallas on Thursday suspected this because of how well they played in a win against Nashville, one of the better efforts of the season. Tockett's comments absolutely glowing after the fact. It's now a fifth healthy scratch for Kuzmenko. Fourth healthy scratch, one unhealthy scratch. I thought uh, Tuesday was his fourth. Oh, yeah, no, Tuesday was his fourth. Fourth missed game, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's missed the game with the uh, facial injury. He's got 29 games played in 33. Right. Um, I'm continue. I continue to be on team uh, patience here. Uh, number one, they have cushion. They have time. They can use it. Number two, he is the solution, the profile of winger that PD wants, and there is proven chemistry there. If he can get it together, he's been slow to adapt to Rick Tockett's style of hockey. So there's no question that the asset is beginning to get devalued here a little bit. I would suspect there's not as many teams that would fancy him as previously, but I also do think in a big league of 31 teams that you will have clubs out there, particularly the way the coach wants to play, and particularly teams that are a little light on offense that look at him and say, yeah, no, that's a guy who could help our hockey club. And who knows, maybe it uh, helps solve the Canucks right side defense matter, although that has been less of a matter here. Uh, of late with Tyler Myers and Noah Juleson playing so well. You've been, you've been a little more urgent on the matter. Where are you at now? On the right side D? No, on Kuzmenko. Oh, on Kuzmenko. I, um, I, I think you can't go longer than a couple of games without trying to get him back in the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you're going to put training wheels on him and put him back in lineup versus the Sharks where you think you might have a modicum of success with them. Like if he, you should be able to execute the game plan. You're not playing a great team. You should be able to get on the four check a lot easier, potentially score easier. So maybe that's their thinking, get him into an easier game and see how he looks there. Because if, he, if he's not performing versus the Sharks, my goodness. Mm. Um, but again, I, I I don't think he I don't think Rick Tucker should be leaning on the don't mess with the winning lineup because he messed with the winning lineup taking Kuzmenko out and they still kept on winning. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd like to see Kuzmenko in on on the weekend, um, regardless regardless of what happens. Dallas is a heavier team, one of the top dogs yeah. in the West. I was uh, tight, good defensively. 
It, it, I can see why. If you if if you listen to Tockett's comments and read between the lines in terms of what he said Tuesday morning in advance of the Predators game, then you absolutely saw the same pathway here in Dallas to a healthy scratch for Kuzmenko. Incidentally, uh, Josh Griffith of Sports Talk Line, great guy. We Shut got to out. know Josh uh, years ago. He was with us down in San Diego covering Whitecaps training camp mm-hmm. once upon a time. Has been a, a Sikarison Price listener over the years. So shout out Josh doing a little reporting here and getting to Dan Milstein and saying, look, uh, you know, the uh, player's not unhappy. Not going to rock the boat here. Andre is very happy to be in Vancouver. Um, says Milstein says there's constant communication between the team and his clients and that there is a plan going forward. So, yeah. Um, so far, not hitting the uh, alarm or the panic button. Uh, further quote here, there's absolutely no disconnect between the coaching staff, management, and our camp. We communicate daily. We have a plan. Everything is going to be okay. Andre, very happy to be in Vancouver with a few minor adjustments, many victories, and goals are ahead, Milstein. And you might be right. Said. There's a lot of runway left. Yeah. Yeah, but... So is, is, so where, when, when I listen to Dollywall and him hitting the panic button, that's just what? Panic button on what? Well, just on, oh, you know, they're making Milstein angry. I think he's forecasting something yeah, down the I, line I, if I, it doesn't all go right. You know, rainbows I think and lollipops. water per usual. Wow. If, if, the January, if the January schedule looks similar and he's getting a lot of healthy scratches in January, I think we can certainly guess that Milstein, who's not, you know, short of words, I think he probably would voice some displeasure with that. But... With almost 50 games left on the schedule, I I think there's still some hope that, you know, he can add some goals here, still get up over the 20-goal mark, and still call that a success. We all knew regression was coming for Andre Kuzmenko. You know, I, I think if you'd signed Andre Kuzmenko and said, you know, over the course of two seasons on this contract, he's going to get, you know, 50 goals, I think you'd be fine with that. Well, he should easily get to 50 goals over these two seasons. So, um, you know, if he can have just a slightly better second half, he's still going to be worth, I think, what they're paying him. But uh, but if he doesn't figure it out, where do they draw the line and say, all right, it's clear that this connection between the coach and player is not a connection. Or, There's disconnect. I mean, this is not an untradeable player. He's got no. v- very short history with the team. Uh, One year left. He wasn't drafted. They didn't meet him as an 18-year-old, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kid. So, right. I mean, even if they did. Yeah, exactly, even if they did. But, I mean, you can't go to any of those sort of old tropes and say, oh, that's why they're going to be holding on to him. No, I mean, if if they get a reasonable deal for him, I I think they probably do but, pull the trigger. Wh- so. Now, what is, Ray always says, you can't make a player something that he isn't. He's not going to become a grinder, but he can be no. better two-way. And, uh, and he needs to get the scoring touch back. Well, it's that's not what just two-way. Like, we talk about Four two-way. Checking. It's four-check. Yeah. It's really an and hit offensive some guys. component. Start that- throwing the body. Like, you're not producing. Throw the weight around. You got two hits on the year. You got to work through this. Four-checking is the easiest defensive play that a forward can make. It, well, it's not check- even a defensive play, really. It's it's no, more an offense. You can, yeah, you can make the argument it's, it's about offense. But back-checking is hard. Is he ever going to be a back checker? Probably not. A four checker? Come on, you can be a four checker. He's had some glimpses this year. He's been some good back checks, but 
Well, yeah, it should happen time. Yeah. He, he, time bottom time. line is he's got to show the coach here that he's taking what he's telling him to heart and actually applying it game in, game out. Like there was that stretch there, a couple games he scored. And, you know, mm-hmm. then the weekend games hit and back in the doghouse. Moving were, on around uh, Sasson Price. Um, that's, huh. that's what the S&P he's, is. Uh, he's pretty bright eyed and bushy. He must have got a lot today, of sleep yeah? last night. Oh, yeah. yeah. First night with a new puppy. I was going to say. Lots of rest. It's like a new puppy. He's just tail wagging in there. I think I'm he's, fired up. He's punch drunk on fatigue. Big coffee, the caffeine so stretching you, that out. You threw something at me uh, before we started recording that I'm going to throw back at you while we're recording because tis the season of giving. Gensel for Kuzmenko Plus. Um, well, What's the plus? Yeah, what's the plus? I mean, you have to First be, round pick? I mean, I think that would get it done for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, does Pittsburgh Park- gets a scoring winger back to help replace Gensel as well as a first-round pick, so a little bit of one foot in this year's camp, hoping that Sidney and Malkin can turn things around. And if not, Kuzmenko is under contract for next year, plus you continue to stockpile future assets for the eventual rebuild, which is coming in Pittsburgh. Does, and, and does Kuzmenko and Ratu get it done? Does Kuzmenko yeah. and Podkolzin get it done? Yeah, I don't think so. No. Uh, and the reason we're even bringing this up is Pittsburgh has $69 million committed against the cap for next year with Gensel standing as a free agent, a two-time 40-goal scorer, having another terrific year, already making $6 million. So are they going to be able to re-sign him? And if not, do they have to trade him by the deadline to recoup some assets to make sure they can have a chance of competitive? But as a twenty-nine-year-old guy already, like, how much longer does Pittsburgh want to be an old team? Like, do you like he's a great player? I know they love him. They, I mean, he is one of those guys that they cultivated and developed and all that. So they they have a, a fondness for him. But how many more years are they going to continue to trot out an old team? Mm-hmm. Since we're talking trade, let me throw this at you as well. Another name from the, well, I should say, Gensel isn't really, but a name from uh, the past with regards to being tied to the Canucks and trade rumors or even reported offers. Um, But Nils Lundqvist of the Dallas Stars, who the Canucks will see tonight, has, um, well, he's been healthy scratched too. Mm -hmm. He's having trouble getting in. Yeah. 24 games this year, seven assists, playing 14 minutes and change. He, of course, was one of the few pieces that we heard the New York Rangers offered the Canucks a couple of years ago for JT Miller alongside Philip Heedle, who has turned into a pretty good player when he's healthy. And Lundqvist actually looked like he had established himself last season a little as an NHL defenseman. Played 60 games, had six goals and 16 points um, and finds himself, um, well, finds himself behind a 32-year-old journeyman on some cases with the but Dallas. Is Lundqvist a Rick Tockett kind of guy? I don't know. I don't know. He's more known as a... Uh, Smaller, puck-moving d- defenseman. Yeah. And I think that's a tough fit. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily see that one. Is there? Uh, I mean, the fit would be he's a right shot guy making nine hundred and twenty five thousand. Yeah, and 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 that's fine. Who, and who gives you a different profile 
than your other right shot. I don't guys. think he. I guess my point is, I don't think he's getting any more opportunity with the Canucks than he's getting with the Stars. I you think don't think he'd play ahead of Juleson? I think Tockett loves the size of Juleson right yep. now, and I think the trust level would be about the same, but mm-hmm. the tie goes to the size. Tiebreaker. The Florida Panthers today opened a practice facility, and if you're not familiar with the geographic setup down there in Florida, Sunrise, where the home rink is, is anywhere between 20 and 45 minutes from Lauderdale or Miami. The hotels. It kind of depends if you're in Lauderdale or if you're further south down Miami Beach, but a lot of NHL teams stay far away from that rink, and so it's a big hassle getting out to Sunrise for morning skates. This new practice facility... Depending on traffic, you're looking at 10, 15 minutes or something like that from where a lot of the NHL teams stay. So um, that's not only resolved itself for the visiting clubs, but of course the practice facility most benefits Mm -hmm. the home team. Uh, This was a franchise that not too long ago before going to the Stanley Cup final last season, um, you were wondering about the level of investment in that club from the owner, Vinny Viola. Now, it's a renovation. They, It's, uh, what is it called? The It's co- previously called the War Memorial Facility at Holiday Park. Uh, but they, they, you know, this is not too different from what the Canucks would want to do out at UBC mm-hmm. or anywhere else, but most likely at UBC, is take another complex, add to it, refurbish it, make it bigger, make it their own. Now, this is a heck of a refurbishment. Um, they broke ground on it in the 2021 playoffs, so it's been two and a half years to to complete. Mm-hmm. And they're still not uh, totally, totally done. They have a few things for the public side of things that are, are uh, not yet done. But that just gives you an indication. Let's say the Canucks announced it, and the timing's about right. Let's say the Canucks announced something in three months' time out of UBC. We're talking probably two years, at least, until it's all done. That's not. Uh, that's not, not very settling. That this could still be years away. Yeah. To what it, what they want it to be? Yeah. I mean, they're gonna have to build it that long. Yeah. And what did PJ tell us last week that when they were gonna sign Tanev, they told them, "Oh, we got a practice <laughs> rink coming." <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be about uh, kind of reminds me 14 of that, years later. Kind of reminds me of that one summer where every winger the Oilers signed was going to play with Connor McDavid. Somehow they were going to trot like four wingers out with a centerman. Just You can, you can do that. Yeah, just, you yeah. just don't just defense. No, nobody, well, this, nobody plays defense. This, all gas, no break. This past summer, all we heard about, oh, Connor Brown, the mm-hmm. Erie Otters connection. They're going to be buzzing. Well, look how that's worked mm-hmm. out. Thatcher Demko for the Vancouver Canucks as the uh, goaltending continues to be sublime for Vancouver, and we'll see if Thatcher Demko can turn in another good performance here. The Vezina Trophy leader by way of the betting sites, and Quinn Hughes right there as well amongst the Norris Trophy favorites. Do we... um, I know we talked about how the Art Ross Trophy might be gone here with Kucherov and McKinnon really turning it um, turning it into high gear. How are we feeling about a major trophy still for the Canucks? Be it Talkett, Adams, Demko, Vesna, 
Hughes Norris or dare I say Hart is that's yeah, I think JT Miller for a Hart is a possibility still. Yep. I mean I if he's in a top three scoring thing and the Canucks win the division. Right. I mean I think JT Miller's in that conversation. Yep. I mean I don't know how he wouldn't be. I don't think I don't think he's gonna win an Art Ross. I don't think Art Ross is is possible given the way that a couple of the other guys are going. Well, as John Shannon told us a couple of weeks ago, Tampa is just so much thinner than they have been. Everything goes through Kudrow. And yeah. just watching the game here was last week, the week before. Wow. Um he's nine points yeah, up and on the He Miller. didn't even have a great game against the Canucks, no. but um no, he he is absolutely their focal point. Uh Grady? I think I think talk it for Jack Adams. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a front runner as well for sure. Demko, there's a lot. The goalies at the top this year, Swayman. He, Swayman. But no. well, like, no, you're right. He's I'm, in a, I'm he's sorry, in a I'm not split. I'm not going to sit there and say Jeremy Swayman gets like a reputational vote. Demko's going to get a, a brand name vote. He's yep. going to get a brand name bump. Like he's a yeah. heck. He, like you look at the top ten goals against. He's got the best brand name. Top ten save percentage. Yeah, the, the one guy who's coming Hellebuck who's got more. Turn very it on. Right. There you go, Grady. I don't We're think just Cam, about to say Cam Talbot is going to sustain. Yeah, this. exactly. Talbot. I'm sorry, I, I'm not buying. But Connor Hellebuck has. I would argue even more brand power than Thatcher. Demko. Yeah, I'm sure he does. But and, he's at a nine sixteen right now. Yeah, but. That's a first place team as well. And if Nashville continues their good play now, he got pulled the other night. You probably see UC Saros into that conversation. Yeah, I'm not sure. How about Ingram in Arizona? The way yeah. he's played, holy shit! But again, how sustainable is that? Like that that well, guy was an AHL or you know. But here's the thing: he'll have Grady. If they make the playoffs, he will be far and away the reason. Yeah, and that'll get him some votes. Yes. Yeah. And I think we do have to adjust what we think of Aiden Hill, who had a really nice regular season mm-hmm. even last year. And, of course... He can't stay healthy, though. No. Yeah. And and Tompkin, uh, Logan Thompson and is uh, also playing her. well, too. Uh, and here's the other thing. Um, Ottinger, of course, is out for Dallas. Yeah. Which should work to the Canucks' benefit. Well, and, and to Demko's benefit, potentially, as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Canucks got help on the out-of-town scoreboard Wednesday as the Los Angeles Kings fell to those surging Seattle Kraken? No, maybe not quite. But uh, Seattle gets a goaltending performance from Joey Decord and gets a victory. And they're, like, really needing victories right now if they're going to stick around the the postseason race. Although the field is so weak amongst wild cards, the field may just let Seattle stay in place. And so one of those games in hand that the Los Angeles Kings have on Vancouver have been has been chewed up. They're six points back, four games in hand. And uh, yes, uh, the uh, Canucks have a chance to put even further distance tonight in Dallas. Let me ask you to a Christmas question here. And we've got a special... Uh, Welcome at coming up, Christmas-themed poetry. Do you guys wrap gifts? No. I'm a bag guy. I am very much a But I get shamed every year for not wrapping. Do you get shamed? I used to get shamed. I've discovered they've now stopped shaming me. It's such a waste. In some cases, a lot of them have now gone to the Christmas bag. Yeah. I was ahead of the curve. Well, never mind the environmental 
aspect of it, it's it's just a really annoying thing to throw out. Like yeah. it's like, yeah, it, it's like so annoying, especially so if you annoying. can't fold paper like Sakaris. We do an expanded guy can't even put paper Christmas in the printing. morning, and there's like you know twelve people. Like it's two garbage bags of paper. Paper. Yeah. Nobody remembers the p- wrapping no. paper. Carmen wraps the most beautiful gifts for me. They're absolute, like, just the corners are perfect. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. And, uh, oh, mine are so I just put beat her up. gifts into, you know, Christmas decorated bags. You know, for like a couple, you know, sharing, like, I could do paper. I could see paper being mm-hmm. fine there. Cause again, you're not talking about copious amounts, but for people with kids and stuff like that, like, it really should go okay, back. And so, whenever I go to get it, I'm always 22nd, 23rd. There's none left. Yeah, I should shop earlier and yes, do it. I know. Yeah, there's so, a solution to but that. But it doesn't Here's happen. Here's the thing. If we had kids, I think I would want to rap because part of the fun is the watching fun is, them. No, there's that too, for sure. Yeah. But you with adults, what? a Christmas bag is fine. And you just take... An old bag that someone gave you yeah. the year before, and exactly. you dress it up, and we you recycle pass it along. them, Brady. This was Pay the first. Forward. This was the first year in a lot of years, and with a move, no less, where she had set aside the Christmas bags in an easy place, and just. Don't you love it when the lazy move is also the like the morally high ground move as yeah. well? Oh, mm-hmm. I'm taking the environmental approach this yeah. year, but. It, 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 Mostly, it's just laziness, but it you know it's good. It's it's sanctioned laziness. Okay, so here then is my next question. Um, my brother, I just give him straight cash. Do I bother with Homie. a card, or do I just slip him a bill? I mean, the card is nicer. If, the, if there's nothing value. else, if there's nothing else involved in the gift, you should probably do a card. I did Write a, card. a nice yeah. little welcome mat to him. You've enhanced my life so oh, well, much more living on the West Coast. And you're forever grateful. Wait till you hear today's welcome, Matt. Brotherly love. Oh my goodness. Did you uh did you enjoy today's welcome, Matt Blake? Uh, well. It's coming up here. Yeah. Oh I'll, I'll reserve judgment. On a football where Seattle is in Nashville, Music City, Tennessee on Sunday. And well, there's a quarterback matter for the Titans. Will Levis hurt his ankle. You remember we brought you the story last week? Mike Vrabel was so ticked off at Levis for not sliding after showing him all those <laughs> clips of quarterbacks avoding the big hit that he said, I'm going to show him quarterbacks getting their blocks knocked off, see if that helps him. Well, he's got an ankle injury. So it might be Ryan Tannehill, the veteran. And, of course, one-time starting quarterback there. Uh, look, a lot of the Titans – are banged up here, Blake. Jeffrey Simmons, their fine defensive tackle. Uh, Burks, their wide receiver. OL beat up. Like, this could be a team that has packed it in or that the Seahawks are fa- facing. Of course, they're one of the few teams that are out of the playoffs, officially eliminated. On the Seattle side of things, uh, Witherspoon, the rookie corner, questionable. Pete Carroll gave a bizarre answer about Jamal Adams, their controversial safety who should be a linebacker. Uh, there was a suggestion he'd be ready to play, and now there's a suggestion that he might be done for the year. I don't know if that's bruised ego or if that is an actual injury, but for everybody who was saying, why don't you play Julian Love? You're better there. He's actually a cover guy. Makes the great interception on Monday Night Football to seal the win. And, uh, of course, Kenneth Walker uh, nursing a shoulder injury. Boy, running backs, it's like they're beat up all Wait, season. What's Walker's status right now? Uh, I believe it's questionable, but oh, yeah. I think he's going to play. Just got it out. 
And then as we mentioned on Wednesday's program, all the other teams in Seattle's orbit in that NFC wild card, and, and some of these teams would still be playing for the NFC South, they all play Sunday. All of them except for Minnesota are favorites. Atlanta's a slight favorite according to Betway. Minus one against Indianapolis. Green Bay is minus five at Carolina. Tampa Bay minus two at home against Jacksonville, where Trevor Lawrence has a concussion, which is really too bad for Nathan Rourke. If Lawrence misses the game, he would have been potentially one snap away from playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he's now, of course, in New England with the hoodie. Why? Production. <laughs> Preseason. Canada. Canada, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, a win would go a long way, obviously, for Seattle to make the playoffs because you have to think a couple of those teams in their orbit uh, are likely to lose this weekend. Hey, I think they got to run. They got to run the table, and mm-hmm. and that's know. ten and seven, and that's a pretty good year, all things considered. Yeah, and it, like you can wring your hands about what could have been. If they if they get to ten and seven, should they really have been eleven and six? Probably at oh, the very especially least. when you look at some of those games, like the second Rams game, and yeah, you know, just some of the other games that they just left on the table there. Um, Even the Cowboys, I mean, yeah, I mean, had yeah. puncher's chances in some of the other games, but uh, yeah, no, you will be regretting, uh, particularly that second. Rams game. Titans then host the Pittsburgh Steelers, then host the Arizona Cardinals. It is a very winnable schedule on their way to the NFL playoffs if they can do it. All right, let's get to today's menu. It is brought to you by our friends at Greta. Fantastic spot to catch the game throughout the season. Quick walk to the Rinker Stadium. Greta, go-to spot for food, drinks, and fun. Pre-game, post-game, during the game, make it a game night at Greta. 50 West Cordova or at GretaBar.com. We will talk to Frank Corrado, and boy, do we cover a lot of ground with Frankie. What to do with Kuzmenko, first place within grasp, Nikita Zadorov, re-sign him, how redundant or similar is he to Carson Soucy, Connor Garland, bottom line, when's it coming, how long can you be an analytics darling, Jake Gensel, his former teammate in Pittsburgh. If things are going south for the Pens this year, he is one of the premier ufas that could be available on the trade market and then abbotsford's devon tapes taking a serious run you don't really hear nhl players taking at their teammates in public but he did this week after a loss to chicago we'll get to some hashtags the best and worst of twitter the way things are tracking and in part thanks to the turtle derby wildcard race in the west how many sellers are there really going to be this year at deadline season in the NHL? We catch up with Rob Williams, Rob, the hockey guy from the Daily Hive and Offside. He attended the Canucks uh, media skate. It was not particularly well attended. Yes, but j was there. He gives a breakdown of j game. When you don't allow media in, you can't expect a well-populated media skate. Kuzmenko, what's the end game there? He draws some Brock Besser comparisons. Rick Tockett's comments that we played on Wednesday's show about he's really happy with their defensive work. Not something we've heard from Canucks coaches in the last decade. And uh, Lionel Messi, he's coming to Vancouver, you may have heard. 
Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Twas the week before Christmas, and all through the town, the Canucks were winning. Nary a frown. Petey, Quinn, and JT were all scoring. Rick talking hockey. Who said it'd be boring? First place is within reach. The playoffs are given. All of BC. Once again, smitten. The goalies are great. The defense is gigantic. If it goes wrong from here, a disaster titanic. So to all Canucks Nation, our holiday best. How far will they go? We'll take your best guess. That's welcome, Matt, for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at scaresomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. And the Welcome Met is a presentation of Great Clips. 37 salons in the Lower Mainland and Vancouver. All of them proudly Canadian-owned and operated. Scrooge turning into Dickens. What do Dickens. you mean, Scrooge? Into D- what do you mean, Scrooge? Unbelievable. How long did that take to come up with? Bill? Bill Shakespeare? Is that you? Wow. <laughs> About 15 minutes. Good show? Not bad. Not bad. I will give you that. Harris Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Head to Apple Kia in Surrey. Jump into the electric revolution. How about the Nero EV? You can finance it from 6.49%, but take one for a test drive and find out why it's about more than just skipping the gas pumps. It's a fun ride. Jump into the 2024 Nero Applewood Kia in Surrey. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question, what should the Canucks do with Andre Kuzmenko? Give it time, trade him now. You can vote at Harrison Price. On Twitter and YouTube, we will put it to our next guest, former Vancouver Canuck and TSN hockey analyst, the one and only Frank Corrado. How are we doing, Frankie? Good. We uh, Just to update everyone, we were supposed to do this hit a half an hour earlier today, but things got pushed back. I couldn't believe what I saw when I was at the pet store today picking up food for my dog. Uh-oh. So I walk in the door. As I walk in, the poor lady who's working there had just gotten bit by a dog. And the lady who was the owner of the dog, I couldn't believe my eyes, like showed no remorse for the situation, didn't help this poor girl in any way, shape or form. It was actually like it was really sad to see someone behave that way, like the entitlement that this person had was was quite bothersome. So I I grabbed my wife because we live right around the corner. We went, we got brought her like some ice, an ice pack, waited for her father to get there. And she went to the hospital to get probably a tetanus shot or something. But like, what are we doing? Like, what what are people doing? We are it's living amazing. in a society, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, like, it was bad enough when your kids can do no wrong, and now your pets can do well, no I, wrong. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's complete embarrassment, and so yeah. they just freeze and forget all social norms. Uh, yeah. That's what happens. I, I blame yeah. the owner. I don't blame the dog. I, I don't yeah. know. But, yeah, so anyways, we're, we're back at it. Here we go. Speaking of dogs, uh, Grady's got a new puppy. Yeah. 
female uh, basset hound, still nameless, Frank. He's in supposed one. to be a male, but mm-hmm. they delivered the wrong gender. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie, Grady, you're in one, buddy. You're oh uh, dear. It's okay. You'll be up in the middle of the night a little bit, but it'll pass and it'll all mm-hmm. be good. You're I didn't up. sleep last night, so there we go. Mm-hmm. So what what uh what does the Corrado family have there by way of pets? We have a, an 11 pound Bichon poodle named Lola, mm-hmm. and uh, she's delightful. She's mm-hmm. she's spunky. She's spunky with. We've heard her. Food. Yeah, yeah. Yes, no, yeah. She's, she's, made, she's, she's, she's made, made a couple of appearances. appearances on <laughs> she's made a few appearances on the show. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, from what I hear in Vancouver, Kuzmenko needs to make some appearances in some Boy. games here. Well, he, first of all, he needs the coach to allow him to make appearances in some games. What's your take on this matter, this situation, Frank? Well, I kind of think back to last year. And a lot of people said, you know, the shooting percentage was very bloated. Maybe this is the time to move on from the guy. I don't know how you come to that conclusion when the guy ends up scoring. Was it 39 goals last year he scored? It's very difficult if you want a team to be good and a team to score goals to look at a guy like that and say, nah, check, please. Like, let's let's move on from that. Of course, the shooting percentage was going to change. But what if Brock Besser moved on to a different team? What if Connor Garland moved on to a different team? And I know the offensive production isn't exactly what the dollar value should indicate for Connor Garland, but that line's playing very good and it's providing a, a purpose for the team. So Kuzmenko's not having a great year. And there's a number of reasons why. Like when you watch his game, he, he just he doesn't have the speed to get to the right areas at the right times. Uh, you've seen flashes of it this year. We've seen him score off the rush recently. That was a nice little uh, you know, nice little sequence for him. It just hasn't come together the way it was last year. But what if he goes back after the end of the season and has a big summer and he comes back and he's 35 goals? And, and that's what like sometimes it not everyone's gonna have a career year every year. And we've seen it a lot where guys go through this sophomore slump. And I know he's a little older. He's not a, a you know a 20 year old rookie, but it can happen. The league figures you out. You kind of stall a little bit. Now it'll be up to him to find a way to um, you know not reinvent himself, but ju- just find a way to break through in in different ways. It's the NHL. It, it's a hard league. It's not. Well, easy. Yeah, here's the thing, and Frank. It does look like he's going to play against Dallas. Looks like PDG or boy is going to be the odd forward. And out. he's got forty what nine games left in the schedule right now. Yeah. Um, you know, what if he gets eighteen goals? That's a twenty-four goal season. Um, 18 goals in 49. That's not a crazy. That's not a crazy rate. I mean, heck, Brock Bester's got 23 and 33 right now. So, yeah. um, you know, what if he gets 18 goals or so? It's a 24 goal season. I mean, I don't mind paying my 24 goal score five million bucks. I well, mean, Blake, that's... take it take it one step further now because now because of the position Vancouver's put themselves in, you can have the conversation of who's going to score the timely goal in a playoff series when you need it. Like if if you're if it, it, the Vancouver Canucks are going to make the playoffs this year. They've, mm-hmm. they've shown that. So now you get into a playoff series. What if Miller goes dry? What if Pedersen goes dry? What if you need some someone to score a big goal for you? That's a guy who can score a goal for you. Um, and, and it's right within his wheelhouse. So it's almost at the point now with, with this team and Kuzmenko in particular, it's like just find a way to get your game in order for the playoffs because chances are you're going to be playing the LA Kings. Goals are going to be hard to come by. So you're going to have to find a way to break through. And there's a guy that can give you something maybe a little more offensive pop. And, and even though it, it may not have come to fruition as much as people would have liked this year, there's still a lot of time for, for him to have a big impact on the team. While we're, yeah. while we're on the subject here, we asked yesterday who's going to win the Pacific Division, and Vegas was the choice for uh, for most people here, Frank. 
they're only one point off Vegas right now. It, it's it's a lot to ask for them to win the division because LA is breathing down their neck. But you're right. I think that was if people were to slot the three, I think they would have LA and Vancouver in some combination of two, three, and Vegas winning. But is that enough of a dangling carrot, given what we know about the salary cap situation for the Canucks next year? And given that, I mean, you're pretty damn sure that if they win the division, they're getting a heck of a lot of an easier uh, first-round matchup than they are if they're finishing 2-3. I mean, do the Canucks push, like, a lot of chips into the middle here to try to win this year, given all those circumstances? I mean, so people use the term all-in, right? When sometimes that term can get taken out of context where it's like you got to trade this and that and first round and prospect just to get someone who might not be of that kind of value. That's not going to make sense for the Canucks. I just kind of like the fact that they've made moves here to, to kind of bolster the team. It's not going to be the marquee guy that's going to help put this team over the edge, but it's, it's, you know, Zadorov. that's, that's an insulating piece on the back end. That's going to help you. The forward depth is really good because on any night, like Kuzmenko is is out, or Phil DiGiuseppe is out, who's who's been a good player. And the center ice depth has been really good. Like, I think Pew Suter, you notice when he's in the lineup, because obviously things are slotted a little better. Um, he's He's been better defensively than I ever would have thought watching him last year in Detroit. Um, you know, like, just, just a, a calm presence in the middle of the ice. So there, there's a lot of things going for the team. But if you're at, at this point in the season and you kind of see where you're at, you're obvi- you're gonna you're gonna bolster things. You're gonna find a way to have a little more depth. Maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it's another piece on the back end. It's just you know what what kind of assets are you willing willing to part with, and you know what kind of impact do you think you need in the lineup? It's a great evaluation period for them. And when they play teams like LA and they play teams like Vegas, like those are the measuring stick games. And now they actually are measuring stick games because you're right in the mix of things. And those are teams that Vegas won the cup last year. LA's been to the playoffs the last two years, you know, losing to Edmonton. So you get to see what you got against teams that have some pedigree here as far as being in the playoffs and having some success. As for Zadorov uh, and our uh, friend Frank Saravelli thinks it's going to be tough for the Canucks to re-sign him. We've been having that discussion here a little bit. He's eight games into his Canucks career. Ask me this, uh, answer me this. Is he, Carson Susie's been hurt, so he's somewhat forgotten here. Are Zadorov and Susie redundant? And I don't mean that in terms of their profile and the way they play, uh, although, you know, feel free to opine on that. But in terms of being maybe, you know, best slotted third pair left side guys who, if they have to play second pair, but really two of them does not make a top four defenseman make. I, I get what you're saying, but I don't believe it's redundant. And the, the reason why I think that is because you can have your ideal D pairings and have a guy, you look around the league, you say, man, I would like to have that guy in my top four, but that guy specifically is not available. So now you're going to look at who is that guy on a number of other teams. And you go down the list and you're like, well, that guy's got six more years. That guy's got four more years. That guy's not quite as good. You know, that's that's a nominal difference when it comes to the guy I have on my team. So, and in, in, in you talk about the profile, there's nothing wrong with having guys that are big, who can move, who have some range. And to have, you know, one of those guys in your top four, one of those guys in your bottom two, 
that's not going to be an issue. Look at the way Vegas has built their blue line. All those guys are big. The smallest guy on that blue line is Alec Martinez. And I don't know if he's sub six feet. He might be 5'11". He might be six feet. But he's like two, way over two bills. Like he might be 215 even. Like he's he's a thick, burly guy. Everyone else is pretty much a monster there who plays uh, in, in the top six on any given night. So I, I don't think it's redundant at all. And if you got a guy like for me, I would probably be leaning more towards Susie being in the top four because I think he's a little more predictable in, in what kind of game you're going to get. Like as much as I, I do like Zadorov and the element that he brings, I feel like if, if he has the puck too much or if he's relied upon too much to make, uh, you know, certain kinds of plays, he could be prone to that bigger mistake. I think Susie's probably a little more of a quieter game, uh, which, which is not a bad thing to have. So all that being said, I, I don't think it's redundant. And, you know, you can want, you know, your, your prototypical top four guy. He just might not be available. So what do you do? You got two big mutants and you put them in the lineup. And one guy actually in, in Susie, I think, could play in the top four. I, I the door up is a tough one for me because I, I see some little plays like last game. He had this great little possession where he faked going up the boards. The, the player sucks into the boards. He holds onto the puck one more second. It gets the guy going in the wrong direction, then makes a nice pass out. And I almost thought that was executed wonderfully. I don't want you to do that again. Right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know it, it, and yet he, he clearly has just enough skill to pull that off as well. I, I don't know what I want Zadorov to be right yeah. now. You know what? That, that's, that's something Torts would say. Like yeah. that just reminds me of like a Torts video session where, you know, he'll show this play and be like, this was great. I'm so happy you pulled it off. Just do me a favor. Don't do this ever again because you got away with it once. But I think like, there's nothing wrong with having defensemen have a responsibility to make plays. I think that's important too, because mm -hmm. if you get into a situation where guys, too many guys on your back end just want to play safe and are afraid to make mistakes, that's not good either. So there, there really is a right balance as far as when to make the plays, when to live to fight another day. And those are the guys that play 10, 12, 15 years in the league because they really understand that they skate just as well as every other guy. Everyone can pass. Everyone can shoot the puck. It's the guys that understand that on the back end for me. Like, what's your read here? Are you going to pinch here or are you not? Are you going to try and thread it through the middle behind your net? Or are you going to ring it around the boards because you kind of understand, like, what the game entails at this point? Like, those guys are really smart. Um, Zadorov is, like, like I talked about, like, I think he's he'll push the envelope a little more. Like, we've seen that in Calgary where, you know, there's, there's a, a bit of a gaff and you look behind the net you're like oh it was it was Zadorov but to your point Blake like he can make the play I think that's what you like to see you can make the play now it's just upstairs understanding okay when do you make the play when do you push the envelope when do you live to fight another day and it's a good thing they have the coaching staff they have here in Vancouver because who better to help you understand what that's all about than Rick Tockett and company you mentioned Garland earlier uh two goals 12 points staring down the barrel of what a 30 some point season. How far can you go with a guy on analytics and underlings? And at what point do you need bottom line production? Well, I think the analytics would suggest that at some point the production is going to come because the chances are there. The offensive zone time is there. All that kind of stuff is there. So for me, the analytics just tell the story of what's happening now and maybe give you a little glimpse into the future that 
if these if these things keep happening, then we're going to see a little bit of an offensive breakthrough. I was just taking a look before we came on today because I see it on Canucks Twitter a lot that, you know, this line of Joshua, Bluger, and Garland is, is you know, like people really like this line and for, for good reason. Like it, it's been very good. So out of all forward lines that have played 100 minutes, they're 16th in the NHL. Their, their expected goals percentage is just a shade under 60%. So then I started looking at, okay, the lines that are ahead of them, are they first lines, second lines, third lines, fourth lines? What are they? The number one line was Hyman, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins. Then you go down, it's like Moore, Deneau, and Fiala. The, the one that really sticks out is the Vegas fourth line, I believe. It's Carrier, Waugh, and Colasar. But then you look, it's like, it's a lot of first and second lines. Like this line has been really, really good. So that would kind of just tell me that it's encouraging the way they're playing. And because they have the puck in the offensive zone so much, because they're generating all these, these chances, like it's going to come. It's just, it's just a matter of time. That's what, that's what the analytics story would tell me on that one. Um, so, Hey, listen, it's, it, it's not there yet. And it's probably not worth the, the dollar value that he's getting. But at the end of the day, if the team is winning games and those guys are in net positive now, like this, this is what I'm talking about with the Canucks. Like now you get into a situation where you're, you're talking about, well, what does this mean for the playoffs? Like, what does this line doing well mean for the playoffs? Are they going to be a line that talk it throws over the boards? And it's like, they just go win their shift. They just go win their shift. Maybe they force the team into taking an icing. Now the first line can come over the boards. It's like that provides a big time service to your team. Um, and, and at the end of the day, the Canucks are in a situation now where it's just all about wins. Individual performances are great, but it really is going to be all about wins. Shooting percentage is 2.7 for Garland. Yeah. Um, yeah. and interesting to note, I mean, he, he, two years ago, he wasn't really producing on the power play for the Canucks, but last year he had 12 power play points. Mm-hmm. He's got one power play. Point How many were in that last game where he got that? <laughs> but um, I mean, if he's got six power play points at this point this year, He's got five more points than he's got. He's got 17 points. That sounds better, probably. If he's, yeah. but, but of course, shooting percentage, power- dude, shooting percentage can sink you. I, yeah. I know that firsthand, actually. I uh, received a tweet last night from uh, Kevin Papetti, works for The Athletic, covers the Leafs. And he said, and this blew my mind, and this is not something I'm proud of. I am the franchise leader in power play shots per minute. Toronto Maple Leafs franchise history among players with 20 plus power play minutes. And he adds, it's a record that may never be broken power play shots per 60. I'm at 29.6. The second best to put that into context was Tyler Ennis at 19.7. So that tells me a couple things. I couldn't pass the puck worth a damn. So I decided (laughs) to shoot it every single time. Mm -hmm. I really, really wanted to score a goal. Cause I was just getting the puck and shooting it and my shooting percentage was God awful. And that's, yeah. and that's the one I'm, that's what I'm sticking with. My shooting percentage was awful. And that's what sunk me. I'm going to see the good in that. You hit the net. It, that wasn't a miss. <laughs> that, that, those are missed shots. Those are on goal. You hit the net. That's Frank. what we love about yeah. you, Frank, your accuracy on yeah. ice, off ice. Yeah. 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 You know what? The fans could never yell shoot when I was on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't get a ton of power play time in Pittsburgh, but this guy wants to trade for your ex-teammate, Jake Gensel, who's a UFA on a Pittsburgh team that has $69 million committed 
for next year already with seven UFAs and two RFAs. Or Riley Smith maybe is a, is another a cheaper option uh, in terms of uh, what you get back. But uh, what do you think of those two players? And what do you oh, think man. about the Penguins here? Because they're yeah. languishing a little in the uh, late days, the sunset of Crosby and Malkin. And we know there's a connection between these two teams right now. Oh, so. yeah. yeah. Jake Gensel would be a great pickup. Like, really, like a, a playoff performer and a guy who's just a, a pure goal scorer. And he's played with Crosby a lot in his career probably more than any centerman he's ever played with. It's not that Crosby made Gensel. Gensel is a really, really good goal scorer. He's a very talented guy, and he's more than just a goal scorer. Like, he's a sneaky playmaker. He, he's, he's fleet of foot. He gets around the ice well. For a, you know, a smaller, more slender guy, he doesn't really get pushed off the puck as much as you would think. Like, you take a look at this guy. He's not, he's not big. He's not burly. He's a smaller guy, but has never really seemed to be an issue for him. Jake Gensel is going to be like, if, if they do move on from him there, he's going to be a great pickup for some team. And why not, why not this team? Like, why not have that kind of offensive pop? Um, yeah. Riley Smith is a good one too. I'd be leaning more towards Jake Gensel though. Like I just think he's, he's just shown it. Like when, when they won their back-to-back cups, he came up from Wilkes-Barre and it was like, this guy was a revelation. He, mm-hmm. he was, all he did was score goals. He continued it the next year. And, um, the team is not what it once was, but but Jake Gensel is, is having a, a really good year. Again, Pittsburgh's a weird one because you would have thought that they would have been a prime candidate to have a bounce back season and turn it around quickly because of all the pieces they have there. But it's the same things that kind of held them back last year that are holding them back this year. They're not fast enough as a team. They're, they don't have enough jam. They they crumble and and can't really hold down leads, which is really surprising given the, you know, the the big, strong voices and, and veteran presence that they have on that team. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see how Dubis is able to turn things around there because, I don't know, it feels like there's legacy guys there that are just going to want to go down with the ship. But could you guys ever imagine a scenario where Crosby is wearing a different jersey? Not Crosby. Malkin maybe, yeah. but not Crosby. No. Yeah. Well, um, okay. What did you imagine? A Ginla wearing a different jersey? No. Yeah, yeah. a little different. Yeah. Did well, did, didn't wearing so, a different jersey? Yeah. Yes, to all of them. Um, didn't win cups. Uh, weren't number one center, cup winners, generational players. Right. So, I mean, if you ask me, Gretzky, yeah, there would have been a time I would have said never. Right, but probably um, should, I probably should have started with Gretzky. Again, low was talking. Well, Mar- Mario. T- I mean, like you know, Mario stayed there his whole career too, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but no, I'm with Blake. Malkin is someone I could see moving on. I would, I would be surprised if yeah. Sydney wears another what jersey. He, but what does he bring you back? Like, what is Malkin going to bring you back that helps you like turn your know. franchise around? That team, you know what that team needs? They need to, they need to bottom out for three years. Like they need three they pretty years much top five mm-hmm. pick. Uh, my last question for you here, uh, of course, hockey culture doesn't acknowledge hierarchies. We have hierarchies in the sport. We judge it by, you know, who scores more points, who makes more money, who plays more. But in the room, everybody's the same, right? Same station. Which brings me to Abbotsford's Devon Taves, one half of the best defense duo in the league, if it's not Houston Kronick. And his comments after a loss to Chicago on Tuesday 
I think we got some guys that think they're playing well, and I think they're kidding themselves at this point. It's frustrating to play out there when you got guys that think they're playing well and you have no idea what play they're going to make or where they're going to be on the ice. It's tough to play in this league when you don't know where your teammates are going to be. If that comes from an NBA superstar, if that comes from an NFL quarterback to the room, I get it. That is really, really rare to hear that in the National Hockey League from a guy who absolutely has some equity uh, in in Taves. Uh, But he's got to be super frustrated to get to that point and air those grievances publicly. What did you make of all that? First of all, I I was floored to hear that. And the first time I heard it, I was actually on set with Jay Onright. We were about to do our hit. And he goes, I got some audio to play. You'll hear it when we come up. And sure enough, he throws to it. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Jay. I go, what are we listening? Like, you don't hear that from hockey players. Um, First of all, from my experience in in a hockey dressing room, I would imagine someone would say, that's a hero move. We let's, let's keep that internally. Like, why do we need to draw any unnecessary attention to ourselves? You got something to air out. We're all friends. We're all teammates. Let's air it out in here. Maybe that's been done already. And the message wasn't getting across and maybe he wanted someone else to hear the message. I don't know. Uh, But to your thing about the hierarchy, there definitely is a hierarchy in an NHL dressing room. It's like vets leadership group that have been around there a long time then there's like this unit of, of guys that are, I don't know, not going to say the other guys, but there's like a, a next tier. Then there's the pigeons who don't say anything. Just just go to the rink, be happy you're there every day and do your thing and put a smile on and you're just happy to be there. So there is, there's a few different tiers. Right, you are. I should correct myself. There's no publicly acknowledged hierarchy. Yeah, we don't exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good way of putting it for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I was floored. I I my, the first thing that came to mind was someone in that room is going to say like that's a hero move. Why are we doing this in public? Why are we airing this out in public? Let's keep that internal. But um, we just don't know. We don't know the ins and outs of the room. Yeah. What's been said? What hasn't been said? Like I saw like Rantanen said something about uh, Lekkonen's dad was yeah. yes. Finland. Yes. He, he made a point. Like he made a point to grab the camera. It's like he pulled a Stephen A. Smith during first take. Sometimes Stephen A. will be like, hey, give me camera A. And he'll look deep into the eyes of the camera and be, I love that. All that's, right, Cowboys yeah. fans, I'm talking to you. Right. And it's like, right. I, that's, it was like a heel move. Um, it was, I don't know. It's weird. Things seem weird in Colorado. They do. They do. That's a good point. Some of the they players do. got in there just don't fit. Like they don't fit that that mold of what they kind of built there, which which is is strange. Well, it, and he went on to talk about how we have guys who aren't self aware for sixty minutes, and then this humdinger. We've got guys in here who aren't showing up right now for a team that's nineteen eleven and two, sitting on forty points. I mean, third place, but only by tiebreakers. Four, five, and one in in the last ten. Like I know twelve. There's nothing wrong with having high standards. There's nothing wrong with it, right? It's just how how you go about it, and I don't know, getting the most of your group. They, I think, they need Alfredo sauce. I think everyone there would be a little happier if there was a little Alfredo sauce for the pregame meal. You guys know that you know the story there, right? No. Right. Chickpea pasta. Nathan McKinnon, yeah. All that. Yeah, yes. and I'm pretty sure it was Zadorov. He he, he might have said something like, we got chickpea pasta here. We got no Alfredo sauce. It might have been like a Russian interview a couple years mm. back. 
I don't like Alfredo sauce. What either. about big sal sauce? Yeah, that's when, when are we getting a yeah. refresh of of sal's sauce? Yeah, here? we gotta get we gotta get a Christmas care package coming your right. way. Right, we'll put that together for you guys. We got a big night coming up on the twenty fourth. Seafood, right. pasta, oh. you name it, we got mm-hmm. it. It's yeah, big sal or skinny sal as he is now. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's all over it. That's Frank's dad who uh, makes a terrific uh, spaghetti sauce. Yes, among other things. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, Frankie, awesome year with you in 2023, my dude. Thank you for everything here. Uh, wish you and the Corrados very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And uh, we're going to catch up in a couple of weeks here. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, guys. Same to you, and enjoy the holidays. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation Apple at Auto Group. Hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter.com, and Blake Price is very proud of his hashtags today. So why don't you start us off? Don't, like, don't overplay the hands. Oh no, it's big setup. Big setup. Wow, I'm nervous now. Mm-hmm. You should be. Um, before I get to like the the crown jewel of, <laughs> of my you're hashtags. not leading with your best stuff here. no i'm gonna i'm gonna keep people waiting but just a little farm report for you I, save it at chris Faber 39 pod cole's an empty net goal to make it 4-2 for abbotsford he finished with 10 shots on net. that's the first time he's ever done that in north america um good i've questioned whether or not he's he's a, a goal scorer in in north america um, and I think, you know, despite seven goals so far this season, I, I think it still remains to be seen at the NHL level because I do think he's he's pretty creative in setting plays up. But uh, he's already tied his career high for AHL goals in 10 fewer games than he did last year. And uh, he's got 15 points in 18 games. So th- there's there's some development there. Last year mm-hmm. he had 18 points in 28 games in the AHL. So this is a decidedly better pace in both goals and points. Um, I don't know if they need him this year, to be honest. Um, well, Rutherford said last week where he's going to be down there for a while. They're yeah. taking their time. They're in no rush. And I can understand that. But at some point, if that sort of production keeps up and you're continuing to look for an Andre Kuzmenko replacement, and I realize he's a different profile of player, but as we talked about yesterday with Dave Hall, I mean, if, Pew Suter or Nils Hoaglander is going to bump on up because of Kuzmenko being on the outs with coach, then you may need some backfilling in the bottom six. He's got 73 shots in these 18 games. Last year in the 28 games, he had 57 shots. Say, that sounds like a lot. And if you see some of the highlights of those shots, he's mm-hmm. driving to the net, he's shooting from far out, he's shooting from far in. And when he was also getting some power play time and he was showing off these one-timers from like that Pedersen area. That he was hammering home. So just two penalties, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, at Kevin Weeks from earlier in the week, Sean Walker has thrived in Philly. I'm told he loves his teammates, coaches, the city being a flyer. Question becomes how much do they love their right D pending UFA to keep him? Other clubs' interest has been strong as well. Uh, I'm using Walker as an example here, Blake, because uh, I know this is supposed to be a rebuild season in Philadelphia. They're second place in the Metro Division on 39 points. Yeah. And as you look across the NHL, because it is so bunched beyond the playoff bar, well, on both sides of the playoff bar, 
And because we're looking at a Western Conference, and, and Jeff wrote about this in terms of how few points it looks like it's going to take to get into the Western Conference playoffs, how many true sellers are we going to have here? Chicago's a true seller. Columbus a true seller. Yeah. San Jose and Anaheim, sellers. true sellers. Yeah. Not Ottawa, I don't think. Well, Ottawa has all these games in hand still, Grady, and just made a coaching change, so... Yeah. If they get a new coach bump with games in hand. They did for 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing there, of course, is, you know, is the new owner going to want to make a push for the playoffs? I mean, there's been a lot of misery there and a lot of empty seats. Buffalo is languishing. Maybe they join the ranks. Montreal, again, it's a rebuild team, but they're. Four points out of a playoff spot with four teams to jump. And then do Philly, Seattle, and Calgary at some point punt? But well, Seattle just added to Tar, but that was because they're so banged up. Right, right. I, I, I think yeah. push is eventually going to come for Calgary and Seattle. St. Louis, but, too? Well, except for St. Louis is right there at the playoff yeah. bar. They're three points out of it. New coach bump now, so. Mm -hmm. So are we looking at a world where there's like six sellers at the deadline and really rosters that are kind of picked over already? That's the thing. When you're talking about UFAs? Trust me, I've done a lot of shopping. On cap friendly and such, you know. I thought you were going to say out and about for a big family all the time. It's a very busy time of year for Blake Price, everybody. <laughs> he's got his birthday, and he's got a shop for all the children, all the extended family. I have yet to get one gift yet. I have yet to get his gift, too, Grady. His gift. Oh, I, I don't do much of the shopping, I'll be honest. I'll leave that to others. Detroit's another sure. interesting team, too. They just added Patrick Kane, but... Oh, they I think Detroit's been, in it. No, Detroit's, no, Detroit's trying, in it. Detroit's they're they're trying yeah, to win. They've been, yeah. They're trying to win. They've been stubbing their toes. Of no, late. they have. No doubt. No, they've lost four in a row. But you don't you don't give up the season plan on that. No. They're, they're still above 500. They're not changing. But as I said, I've done a lot of shopping. And, and, you know, a lot of those teams that are the clear sellers, you find something on there that you like that no, they're exactly. willing to part with. It's, there's nothing there. Yeah, I think my point is, like, the next tier is going to have to shake out here so, leading up to so the So when's that tier shake out? Exactly. So, uh, so Grady, There's so here, much parity in the middle kind of class here. Here's the thing. Two more months. You get to the end of February. We're two weeks away from the deadline. At that point, we've seen GMs tend to want to get a jump on the deadline now. So two months. Who stays in it? Who falls out of it? That's the thing. And who's motivated to sell? It make it might take all the way till the deadline. Does it, I, I don't I don't think you know Trader Jim and Patrick Ovine have already sort of cast their uh, uh, early trade ballots here. But um, I don't think there's any getting early on the t- on the deadline this year. Gary's parody. Our league has never been stronger. It looks weaker <laughs> this year, though. It does. Look at how. F- but there's no. Look at how terrible the West is. Yeah. Like, eighty-five points get you in in the West this year. The way oh, things are tracking. Gosh. We could live in a world where the Arizona 80, Coyotes, Nashville points? Predators. Yeah. Yeah. At Jay Fresh Hockey. Mm. Here are the three most common fan bases picked as most annoying for each fan base. 
The most common combinations were the Habs fans disliking Leafs fans, Canucks fans disliking Leafs fans, and Rangers fans disliking Devils fans. But the devil is in the details. There are only two teams that self-hate. Two fan bases that hate themselves on the podium. Who are those two fan bases? I would guess we're one of them. The Vancouver Canucks are certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. Tirana. And Toronto's the yeah. other. Yeah, it stands to reason. I think they're the two most intense English language hockey markets. Once you bring the French into play, Montreal's right there as well. The three. Um, oh, did I say the Leafs? No, it's, yeah. it is the Habs. Oh, okay. It's not the Leafs. It's the Habs. Uh, they they self hate the just alongside the uh, uh, the Canucks. I, I gotta say, I, I have noticed quite a large transformation in the Leaf fan base between when I covered that team 20 years ago, Blake, and the Leafs could do no right, and Leaf Nation was always waiting for the next shoe to drop. And now, like, just the slightest bit of good news or traction, and that fan base has delusions of the cup. It's the damnedest thing. Mm -hmm. It's like the younger generation of Leafs fans hostile to history, ignorant of history, just completely reject everything that has transpired between 1967 and present day yeah, and think they're on the verge. Not on the verge until you're on the verge. Well, and then another haven't group of been them, to a cup final since 67. Right. Another group of them just want to fast forward through the regular season. And, and get to the playoffs. Exactly. But, I mean, that's the case with a lot of perennial yeah. playoff yeah. teams. When I lived in our nation's capital, Ian Mendez, actually, you mentioned him earlier this week. Now they actually got over the hump and After won a like round. But. The second game of the season in the press room says, can we just get to the playoffs already? Yeah. And everybody was like, yep, we know this is a playoff team. So and 80 the, more of these suckers. The three most hated fan bases for the Canucks, by the way, the Leafs, the Oilers, yep. and the Canucks. And they're so they're like I see it on Canucks Twitter computes, all the time. Actually, the team is doing so well, and yet people want to dunk on each other. They want to play screenshot gotcha. Like I saw some guy complaining, "Who's the most negative media member yesterday?" Like, grow up, people. This isn't high school, and it's okay for your opinions to change over time when new information is presented. Like. God, stop trying to dunk on each other all the time. Grady, Colin enjoy and, the frickin' hockey team. Colin, it's good for once. Colin and Planning told, and we'll get to him in East and O's, told us uh, that yesterday there was a fair bit of whining on the show. So we have one airing of the Grievances show. Grady, it's December 20th. That's when we do our... Uh, Festivus. Festivus. Celebrations. Okay. We'll give you that. Here on the 21st, but now we're moving on. It's all happy tidings. Fair. All right? At Kean F, he's a NFL draft writer. For a fellow that supposedly supposedly hates the media and the attention he gets from it, Aaron Rodgers perfectly played this season so that he kept his name in the headlines as much as possible, completely by accident, of course. Never his intention. And, of course, a weekly hit on McAfee's show. Yeah is platform enough, but it is incredible He's everybody how along. much copy has been spilled here on a quarterback who ruptured his Achilles, which is a 12-month 12 12 month injury. Did. Yeah, common man. Mm-hmm. 
I have no doubt that he can heal faster, but he was never playing this year. So let, let me ask you this. Let's let's presume Aaron Rodgers, let, let's presume next year is his final year. And, you know, maybe he's got a couple more here, but the end is nigh. He's going to need a really big job that gets a lot of attention to satiate that ego. Remember he applied or there was rumors he would be the Jeopardy host? Yeah. He's going to need a job of that order. Like, I don't think football studio analyst or game analyst is going to be enough for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's pretty. That's a lot of shine on on a Sunday, if he's on one of the panels. No, but you have to be the lead. Well, no, not as an analyst. I don't think he's an in gamer. I think he's a studio guy. No, but then he has to share with other analysts, Blake. Just put him on McAfee full time. I'm wondering, but is he going to play second fiddle? He's a quarterback, man. He's a starter. Rogers yeah. McAfee. Would ESPN? I think more of the Aaron Rodgers show. Yeah. Now, would ESPN go for that, given some of his uh, yeah, well, comments, let's mm. say? We'll talk to Frank about this tomorrow. At Frank underscore Sarah Valley, NHL dodged a bullet on Wednesday with Bally Sports agreeing to pay rights fees on 11 regional TV deals this season. With those rights set to revert back to the teams next season, how the NHL attacks regional broadcasts is the few hundred million dollar question. Yeah, it sure is. It affects HRR too, right? Mm-hmm. It's a big question. It affects the cap, folks. That's why yeah. you should care. You, you, I well, we know the, the cap's going up, but yeah, yes. but it's still this, part of the equation. This has uh, an ability to to serve as yet another suppressor, yeah, of the cap after everything that transpired during the pandemic. And lastly, for me, at Chris Rose Sports, he had Blue Jays. Pay- That's what I love about baseball: the baseball hot stove. The off-season player movement, everybody just talks freely. It's not treated like state secret like it is in the NHL. Blue Jays pitcher Chris Bassett, he wants the Angels to trade Mike Trout to the Phillies. He talked to Chris Rose and said, you know, I think Trout in Philadelphia would be great. It's effectively his hometown. He's from South Jersey. They've got a good ball club there. I'm sure he also would like to see him out of the American League. But just went off and... Dropped his opinion on where another active Major League Baseball player should go play. Just a genuine baseball. Just a genuine baseball guy. I want to have the baseball conversation about, you know, a big name in the offseason. And and as we talked about after Otani signed with the Dodgers, because the same logic somewhat applies here, I suspect that Mike Trout is still a big enough draw for the Angels that the commercials of the matter don't make sense for them to trade him just yet. But I do think they're kind of, there's coming a day where Mike Trout is going to move on. Everyone's waiting on Yamamoto and Bellinger here. Is it possible it happens this winter? Yeah, I suppose. Should have moved on years ago. Oh, well, and then they get Otani. Absolute and think of, joke. You know, he, they get Otani and think of him. Like, he goes to his first tr- spring training. He's looking at this guy going, oh, my you God. You have two generational We're going to be amazing. Talents. And they still squander it. Two generational talents, and they just themselves. He has, like, the five best seasons ever, according to War, wins above replacement for non-playoff teams. And that's hashtags for today. Joining us now for the final time in 2023... 
the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and its offside sports vertical. Rob the Hockey Guy on Twitter. Rob Williams. Well, Rob the Hockey Guy Wednesday at Rogers Arena. Yeah. I saw you were one of the few out for the media skate. I was, yeah. I was out to, you know, I was out gathering research on, you know, which media members can play, which ones can skate. I'm not going to tell you who can't. I guess, I mean, the ones that can't <laughs> didn't show up, but I don't know that everyone that didn't show up can't Were you skate, hoping so. to get signed? I thought it was weird that you were the only one in full equipment and everybody else was just in civvies. <laughs> I mean, it, how many scouts were there, Rob? <laughs> not enough. Yeah, no, <laughs> okay, my dr- so, yeah. Did well, anyone need those metal bar pusher things to help them oh, skate? Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, my wife, uh, oh. well, she, it's, at first she did, but. I was the metal bar that she was holding on to. Ah, there you go. Right. <laughs> Good structure. She got, no, she got moving after a while. She got she got her skating legs back. Uh, full breakdown of J-Pat then as a skater and as a shooter, because oh, the snippet I saw, yes. uh, he looked graceful, like Niedermeyer-esque, frankly, yeah. the way he was carving those turns. He can move. He can move. He's, he can, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was typical. He's, he's got, got a decent shot. Mm. I saw I saw some people chirping his hands on on uh, Twitter, but uh, no, he can he he can play. Looks like he was using Willie Mitchell's stick, though. Big, big long oar. Mm-hmm. But hey, we, you should uh, now. PJ was there with his with his daughter, so we didn't we didn't get to see the full extent of of. He PJ's didn't open it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't. You know, he yeah. he saved a little bit for for next time, I guess. See Jeff play tennis. When he yeah. doesn't run into a wall. Well, yeah. he's quite a tennis player yeah. when he's not, you know, blowing his ACL. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's stick with hockey then before moving on to a major soccer story in Vancouver in 2024. Um, Kuzmenko, the end game. We've been talking all week. Are you team patience or are you team move him now before the asset is further diminished with healthy scratching? You know what I I think the fact that he seems to have a, a pretty good attitude throughout this like it doesn't seem like the you know the, there's not trade requests coming in it doesn't seem like he's pouting um, we saw that Canucks video uh, where the players are you know fist bumping the guys as they come off the ice and Kuzmenko is right in there like you know big smile on his face, you know, really thrilled for the guys. Um, so I think that is, is a good sign that like, as long as, as, you know, as long as you have someone with a, with a, a good attitude, you, you have faith that they'll learn that they, they, that they want to learn. And so I think if you have that with Kuzmenko, you know, you have hope that, that he can turn around, you know, turn his game around in, and and play the two way game that, that talk at Watson player and not even necessarily like you know it's not like he's trying to turn him into a selfie trophy winner he just wants him not to be a liability out there and to participate in the forecheck right um so i think because of that i'm i'm team patience but it you know it kind of reminds me a little bit about like brock besser to a lesser degree but a little bit like brock besser last year where it was like okay they start talking about trading him when his value is at an all-time low, right? And it's like, it's not really the time that you want to be be trading him. But with that said, you know, if, you know, what is the end game here? Like, is if, what if he doesn't turn around? What if they deem that he can't coexist with Talkit? Then the time to move him was yesterday, right? I think the biggest 
question is is this a kuzmenko problem or is this a kuzmenko slash talk problem like is it the players just kind of not in the groove not playing the way he should or is it just that he doesn't mesh with the coach and how much does an opposing team uh how able are they to identify that it is that because then his asset may not be as diminished as it otherwise is if if you know a lot of people just think hey this is the wrong player for the wrong coach more so than a slumping player Good point. And I think that would, you know, I'm sure there are teams out there that think, okay, you know, he can play in our system. Like, yeah. like this will work. But, you know, the, I think the way that, you know, and talk about stock being up and down, like talk it's stock has never been higher. Um, if he can't play under talk and he can't play under, for the Vancouver Canucks right now, right. Given, um, you know, given the way that he has the group playing. So I think it's, it's definitely a situation that I can, I can, you know, sympathize with the coach here, I think, where, you know, you're trying to get your team to have an identity and to play a certain way. And, you know, your, your forecheck and your down ice pressure, like it does not work if one guy is not participating in it the way that you want. Like you need your, you know, you need all five guys on the ice playing as, as a unit. And I think that, you know, we're seeing the Canucks do that for the first time in like a decade, right? Where there's really, there's real cohesion out there uh, on the ice. And you can see that they're all following the, the same plan here. Rob, uh, you picked up on it as well. We played the clip yesterday of Rick Tockett um, following the win in Nashville on Tuesday. How pleased he was with the defensive efforts and how pleased he is with the defensive execution of the Canucks, even going so far as to say, yeah, from time to time we're out of position, but uh, you wanted to comment on that because that's not something we have heard a lot of from Canucks coaches for a long, long time. I feel like there's moments this season where I'm just like, pinch me. Like, is this real life? Like the Vancouver Canucks are doing this? Like what? Like, you know, just, it started off with the wins and all the goals and everything, but like, now it's the defensive play. Like, remember last, I, I think last year, their defensive play was probably the thing that just angered me as, as a hockey fan. Never, you know, it's just watching how terrible and how loose they played defensively. It was just, it was so god awful. And to the, the, the turnaround now to see, see the, the coach saying that about his team, and he was right. I mean, it was a, it was a great team victory. Like they, they, and like I said, you know, playing cohesive, playing as a unit. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's great to see. I mean, and, you know, and, and to do it with this defense, you know, the, you know, coming into the season, I know he was talking about the, the defensive play of the, of the defensemen and the forwards, but, you know, to have the defense that they had coming into the season and people going, Oh, I'm not sure what this is uh, going to look like on the ice and to have the coach talking like that, um, you know, wonder, what a wonderful sign uh, for the Canucks and, and where they're at this season. Are they halfway to a playoff spot? In just 33 games? Well, yeah. I mean, it feels like it. It feels like they're three quarters of the way there, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> 70 points uh, gets you in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I don't know if they're necessarily halfway by by the technicality of it, but I think that you know that they're they're I mean look they're they're a point back of first place in in the NHL like um, you know the, the, they are I mean they are for real I mean I hesitate to say it because we've been disappointed so many times in the past but 
you know, this team's for real. Like they, they can play and they're playing for this coach and they've got talent. Uh, the, you know, defense still makes me a little bit nervous and, and you wonder how they'll, uh, you know, if, if they come into bigger injury troubles, like, like how they can uh, bounce back for something like that. But, you know, all things being equal, like this, this team, I, I love the way they're playing right now. They're, they're um, you know, hitting on all cylinders right now. 50 points by the new year, a very real possibility yes. for this team. Okay, the soccer top topic, Messi is coming. Messi is coming, right? <laughs> it's funny because I, I, you know, I, I posted this on, on, on Twitter and, and there's so many people still that are like, well, I don't know if he's coming. Like his team is coming, but I don't know if he's coming. So I did a bit of, you know, a bit of a dive into like, you know, looking, I mean, Thierry Henry was a long time ago. I feel like the scars of that are still like here. People are acting like, like the big stars skip Vancouver with regularity. Like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Like I, I saw him play at, at BC place. You know, like I saw Wayne Rooney play at BC place. Like David guys, Beckham. Beckham. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And like these guys have not, this has not been a regular thing throughout the, the white caps time in MLS. So like to think that Messi's just going to skip it because yeah. of those reasons, I think is misguided. And then the other thing about if we look at what Messi has done since he's been in MLS He's played in every game that Miami has played, and it's been with rare occasion and understandable occasion, I would say, where he hasn't played the full 90 minutes. Like, usually he plays the full 90 minutes. There's only been one time where he didn't play the full 90 minutes for a road match, and that was uh, that was after he played 120 minutes, like, three days earlier in, in the U.S. Open Cup. So... Uh, I he don't got, he got injured with Argentina and he came back and he missed a couple of games with Inter Miami. Well, and also, injured. did he not come off the bench in his very first game? Yes, with Miami. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. no, it, everything is contextualized in terms of games and time that he has missed in MLS. Yeah, and so he's got he's got a week off before he plays the Vancouver match, and then they do have a short week the next. You know, they have like uh, three or four days before their next match uh, back in in Florida. So. There, there is that, I suppose, but I, I, and Blake, you, you know better than me in terms of, you know, the league helped bring him to MLS. I don't think the plan is that he's they're going to like load manage him on on the on for roadmap. I think they, I think they will load manage him, but it doesn't mean that you won't see him on the pitch at BC Play Stadium. I, I people do need to realize this is a commercial play by the league as as a general rule, and not having him play in front of. 50,000 fans is not exactly what they had in mind. Yeah. I mean, they, they have in mind that he's playing in front of 50,000. Absolutely. The size of the stadium here and the advanced tickets, I think, absolutely put the heat on Miami and Messi to play. And I think the point Blake made yesterday, a lot of these soccer-specific stadiums in the U.S. are great, in some cases preferred by supporters, but they're 20, 25,000 seat parks. There's two stadiums in the league where you can really do gate Seattle and Vancouver, right? With a visiting attraction like Messi. Yeah. Were you guys surprised that that Miami was on the schedule? Because I think the the conspiracy theorists were out on like that MLS doesn't, you know, I, I they, think they, Canada doesn't get the gravy very often, right? Right. Like, I think Vancouver is the lowest priority market for MLS. 
but I'm also not surprised because rotationally they were due to yeah. come play yeah. here in Vancouver after never playing here. My theory before. was that they might kick it to next year in hopes that it would be grass. Like, again, I've got no inside scoop that they're going to yeah. do a test mm-hmm. year on grass, but that's my hope yeah. is that in, in advance of the World Cup, they put grass in for 2025, and I thought, hmm, maybe they try to kick it one more year so that they know he'll play on grass. But yeah. um, alas, here and, we are. And, and that's one other thing, guys, that I, I know people are really – uh, I don't know, slightly paranoid about in, in Vancouver is that the stars don't want to play on artificial turf. Uh, Messi's comments, I don't know if everyone caught it last August, where he just went on and on about how he has no trouble playing on, right. on turf. He grew up playing on, on artificial surfaces and basically just squashed all of that, right? Where um, I thought those comments were great. And he also did play a match uh, in Charlotte on an artificial turf last season as well so that's another good sign and you're right about Thierry Henry everything about his MLS experience was miserable he had an awful attitude he was the bah humbug guy so he is the outlier (laughs) and we hope that Messi plays ball in all markets next year Uh, because let's face it um, this is soccer's last frontier this continent and really two of the three countries in this continent Mm -hmm. so this is his opportunity to make an impact in the sport uh, beyond what he has already made Rob, Merry Christmas to you and Chelsea. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Thanks to everyone over there at the Daily Hive and Offside for the collaboration again this year. I look forward to talking to you in 2024. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Merry Christmas, guys. So here's some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us, 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Yeah, it sure is. Results from Wednesday's poll question asked you, who will finish atop the Pacific Division, Vegas, Vancouver, L.A.? Blake, who did the people say? Uh, People said Vegas. Yeah, they did. I'm still bothered by the amount of affection this franchise gets, especially in other NHL markets and by third parties as well. Like T-Mart asking me yesterday, at what point are you not going to be ABV? Like, Never. Why do you care? Like you're a Flames fan. <laughs> Shouldn't you be ABV as well? I'm sorry. Guy cuts a $500 million check and gets gifted a Stanley Cup contender. It's rotten. It's transactional. Matt. It's so freaking Bettman. This, this wasn't about cheering. This was about an analytical choice of who we thought. I couldn't based, bring myself, Blake. Based on our hockey analysis, I couldn't bring myself. He gets triggered anytime he sees that name. Maybe that's two why hours I came after up they win the point. Stanley Cup, the place is empty. Nobody in their plaza. Nobody celebrating. Everybody in a casino or a nightclub, pool party. The very sight of the team colors of black, white, gold, red, yellow. Well, that's the other thing. Make a choice. They do have a lot of team You got colors. way more. You got as many, many team colors as the Palms. <laughs> and the locals. Do we have to sit, shut down the strip for a Stanley Cup parade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vegas won the poll. 54%. Yeah. 25% for the Canucks finishing second. Kings got 22%. People in the comments even like, ah, I don't want to. Finish first. Then there's Andre. Relax. God, I hate relax people. Relax, folks. We probably finished third in the Pacific. 
and that's completely okay. Come on, Andre. Dare to dream. Leo, Kings are going to fade like a golfer hitting the 10th beer on the 15th hole if they're still relying on geezers like Kopitar, Dowdy, and Talbot towards the last quarter of the season. That could be fair, Leo. And the Canucks pass the Kings in points percentage, Drancer. Leaf says Vegas, so the Oilers can knock them off in the first round. Absolutely. That's what we need. Vegas Edmonton in the first round. Oh, Oilers vengeance. It's a tie hockey game in the second period of game six. Vegas scored a couple quick ones, and the Oilers couldn't recover. You're going to cheer on the freaking Oilers? If I have to, Blake. Wow. Cheer on each Hold team the nose. beating piss out of each other. That is dark. All right, errors and omissions from yesterday, uh, from Wednesday's program. Uh, the only one I have here is Colin in planning and his nitpickiness. There's a considerable holiday wine included on today's show. Just saying, Sakaris. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Dude, were you wine? Yeah, we were whining. How about what? How about what? I don't Tis know. the season. Was it with Peach? I forget. I don't remember us being No, we were. Yesterday. Oh, I was whining a little bit because... When are you not whining? Wow. To a degree. Brady's active. Mm -hmm. I was in here early today. I'm up and at her. (laughs) Anything on your end, Grady? Yeah. JT Miller on YouTube. You're going to have to help me with this one. He says, I have an error and omission on your guys' pod yesterday. Matt, you said, quote, you've got a player that went against a goaltender in a great offensive opportunity. He finishes. The commenter goes on to say, then what happened to him in the shootout? Yeah. Who's he referring to? Oh, he's talking about uh, Kuzmenko missing oh, a shootout opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, i just talking about the last couple of opportunities he got. Well, the last two goals he scored like have been one-on-one goals. Yeah. One-on-one situations with goalies and he finished. But, yeah. I mean, I mean did I say he was 100%? And shootouts are yeah. a different animal. That way, bets of the day. Time. You didn't want to discuss Colin uh, nitpicking the no, audio? No, okay. no. Colin got his error in omission. <laughs> He's on a quota. All right. So we talk about the Canucks winning the division. They remain the third choice on Batway. And they're paying 375 So there's some value there. You dare to dream if you're an optimist? Go ahead. I'm uh, going with the standings myself, but for the World Juniors, Canada... Finishing with the bronze. Oh, so patriotic. I'd hate to be the house of negativity, but with this great Swedish team, great American team, Canada with the bronze pays out a 450. Can I just, uh, this Swedish team is overrated and will fall flat amidst the pressure. Well, that's of not Thomas. exactly a hot take. This is every year for Sweden. Off yeah. the podium. No medal for Sweden. <laughs> wow. No medal for you. On your Betway bets of the day, must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us, Rankwide, and Canucks Conversation wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.